Okay, we are coming in ridiculously, 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 ridiculously hot. We may actually have a spoken word performance about the remix event on May 9th, but today we're talking about the human element. Everywhere I go, the people really want to know who I is and I don't know about you, Kyle, but sometimes, sometimes I go through the morning news and I think all I hear is billions lost, billions gained. Inventory down, inventory up. Things are good, things are bad. Again and again and again. And I just get a little sick of it. Yeah, you're like... Does this make any difference? This person wrote this story, and this person wrote this story on the same day about the same thing, and they say totally opposite things, and I don't know where I land in the middle. Huh? I feel like every story has an equal and opposite story these days. Yeah. It does feel like that. Just like we say every expert has an equal and opposite expert. Well, this expert says, that expert says... But the one thing that is the common thread between all of these things are human things, right? The human element is this is. This industry is intrinsically human, which is, I think, why you and I just gravitate toward automotive. And so many other people do, too, right? I mean, I, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I think, yeah, the, the and here's the thing. I could do without all the rest of the junk. <laughs> and this is, if all we, if all it was about was maintaining relationships with people really, really well, right? And the rest of the junk kind of just fades to the background. It's kind of like my perspective on broccoli. (laughs) You're like, where is this going? I'm (laughs) saying... It really is just a great delivery device for butter and sugar. I mean, salt, no sugar. Butter Butter and salt, right? The auto industry is just a great delivery device for those human elements that we love so much. And, yeah, mo- but see, and, and money. Yeah, that, this is true. This <laughs> it's a is good true. delivery device for money, too. The auto industry is a great delivery device for a lot of things. And for me, I mean, I'm going to get a little sentimental right now. Uh-oh. Like the, the, sure. the, what it has meant for my family, right? I mean, I came out of college as a music major and I mean, got married and had like 10 bucks in the bank one day. And <laughs> we're wondering if we were going to overdraft and stuff like that. I remember right? those days. And, I remember when the automotive industry, I was already in it, right? But there was there was someone in the automotive industry, a gentleman that took me under his wing and showed me what it was like to be a professional in the automotive industry. And that has what ex, has what has both accelerated my career, but also made me so passionate about this industry because I got an opportunity to see the whole industry in a different light. And then support my family, build a family. I've got three kids that are growing up within the industry that that all love automotive. They're like, my my son one day was like, dad, you mean you can work underneath cars? Yes. Like, blew his mind, right? I'm like, <laughs> yes. yeah, dude, you could roll that way. Oh, my, my daughter's like, I could sell a car, right? Yes, yes she's she could. A, she's an absolute like firecracker. Yes, She'll she pop, could sell you know, a car. She just like, she can sell anything. She could sell right? a car now. <laughs> I Oh, without a doubt. I that, I actually used to use that in training when I would lead training classes. I'm like, I could teach my daughter to do this. Why is everyone struggling? Come on now. Which is, right? which is but a great- that, that's what's so beautiful about this industry is because like when you connect it to humans, which I hope that I've been able to do and want to continue to do further and what we're trying to do, like- Kids get excited about it. Your friends and family members get excited about it. All of a sudden, everyone's asking you questions, leaning in. And that's what we're calling the rest of the industry to is like, how do we get 
the people, even just your your nucleus, your the people that you're touch touching base with on a daily, weekly basis, to be excited about the industry because we've got 2.1 million people that have the opportunity to affect three to five people each, and all of a sudden we're at four to five million people overnight that think, hey, this that is a great industry. So today is bring your kids to day work. I bring your kids to work day. Um, <sighs> neither of us did that. <laughs> Because that doesn't you know, isn't very conducive to, to live streaming. Yeah, right. <laughs> whatever. They're like, <laughs> and so I bet there are some there are some some kids uh, rolling around the dealership that aren't usually there. But the one thing about bring your kids to work today, it's like the auto industry automatically caters to that. I mean, it's a very generational oh, business yeah. in general. And not only that, it is like a business that is really dedicated and focused on mentoring because we talk about this, the industry has no ceiling, but it also has no floor. So yeah. it really just lends itself to being an industry that allows people to come in, right? There's a really big wide door at the front of the auto industry and everybody is welcome to come in and has the same level of, of um, the same level of upside if they want to focus and pay attention. And there are examples of that all over this country. So um, today's Bring Your Kids to Work Day. So today for the show, we didn't want to focus on news um, and dollars and stock prices and supply chains. What we actually wanted to focus on is a few things that really have to do with the human element of the auto industry and how we believe that is the core of why it has been successful and especially why it will be successful now Absolutely. and generations uh, in the future. And remember, we don't mean the automotive industry at large. We mean franchise, retail, automotive dealers are the thing that we fall in love with, right? Cars are, I'm, and, I'm not a big car guy. And the reason why we talk about the human element is that is the you, the biggest and highest, most valuable, unique selling point to every dealer. Actually, we talk about this a lot. We, we, we coach some kind dealers of. and do some consulting on the side, right? But when we talk about USPs, right? Unique selling propositions of the dealership, it's like, okay, instead of looking at, you know, the free things you give away, right? Instead of looking at, you know, oh, we can do online delivery and all of these things that everybody's shouting from the rooftops, like we can do from a technology or process perspective. What if you went in and said, oh, because we're uniquely equipped to manage these relationships because of these people internally, we are, that's our unique selling proposition. Because we have this element, this core people, this type of people, this, this, this generation, this uh, whatever it may be that actually our people, if you emphasize that as your unique selling point, it becomes a lot easier because then your people get attached to it. That's right. You know, we talk about uh, dealers pushing back, right? And there's there's always questions around that phrase. And we, we decide we're gonna talk about it more, but it really is this element of like, there are barbarians at the gate threatening and pushing in, trying to kick in the gate of all these things we're talking about that have been cultivated over generations and generations of building community and building family and giving, taking people from the bottom to the top in this industry. And so when we say pushing back, we mean the people banding together to say, yes. no, 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 this is worth fighting for, right? So when that gate gets pushed in, it's like, we're not just pushing back against the barbarians, but we're pushing through the door and we're going to go out there and show them how it's done. So uh, we have a few things. Two and, things. And I'm going to, I'm going to clarify real go. quick. One thing, because we never do this. Sorry. I know we've got do some it. things to talk about, but do I'm it. all energized this morning, right? <laughs> when we say barbarians, that's an overarching term. And we're not just talking about like a lot of people are like, Oh, they're just talking about Carvana. 
or they're yeah. just talking about Tesla. Yeah. And that's not the case. Actually, there are some really, really great things about that. Absolutely. But there, there are some things that are barbaric about that, that part of the industry coming in and what, what it has the capacity to do to the retail franchise. But the other part of barbarians at the door are other market forces, right? Things like pandemic, things like chip shortage, things like the way that the, the stock market is interacting, the way that OEMs are looking at to direct to consumer. All of those things yes. compile to be metaphorical barbarians. barbarians. That's a good exactly. clarification. We, we haven't ever talked about that. Good clarification. And you know, barbarians, one of the real key elements of a barbarian, like they don't care at all about what you've built over mm. generations. They don't care. But there's a lot to learn from barbarians. Like, look at that trebuchet. We need one of those, right? Absolutely. Right? Yeah, there's a lot to learn from barbarians. Actually, probably if you pay close enough attention to them, you can learn the most from them the, because the sharp... they're the most iterative. They're the most entrepreneurial, right? Whether it be, it, they're they're the most real time um, because they're, it, the, the market forces are acting right now instead of like on historical data. Right? And they're typically the most creative. Because they're playing with a different skill set. Speaking of being creative. Come on. Stop. Segway. Time. Uh -huh. Man, I just, it just came to me. That's how we're going to get into the articles. That was strong. <laughs> All right. So, so strong. Um, a study was just released in the journal. Uh, the journal is called Nature. A very respected um, human behavior journal. That video meetings versus in-person meetings actually cramp creativity. And this might not sound like a big surprise, like, oh, you can be more creative if you're in person. But the reason that you're more creative when you're in person versus being virtual is not what everyone expected. So um, basically, I'm reading from the article, a Wall Street Journal article, video meetings dampen brainstorming because we're so hyper-focused on the face in the box on the screen that we don't let our eyes or our minds wander. You know, when you're in person, it's rude. <laughs> you and I just locked eye contact all the time, right? It'd be awkward. It'd be rude. Like, what are you looking at me for? Right. But the reality is when you're in a meeting, and now I started thinking about creative meetings, and even when you and I are on Zoom calls, like when we start getting creative, we start like looking like over here, all we look around, up, up and the around, place, we're right? looking down. Yeah, we're starting to write some stuff. But yes, we're, we're yeah, very familiar right. with what, like we're used to being in, you and I, we're on Google Meet call pretty much all day. And so we're used to just like, there's no like, like norms, like, oh, well, because think about it, when you're in a Zoom call, like, the eye contact with the camera or with the other face is something that shows that you're paying attention and respect. Right. But what they found out is that crushes creativity. Yeah, like everyone is listening to the podcast today like, oh, great, now I can look at my second screen. No, that's not what we're talking about. No, no. <laughs> right, no, 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 because it's like where your eyes are focused, that's where your mind is focused. And think when you're being yep. creative, you're trying to think of something that isn't being fed to you. So basically the study was this. They had 745 pairs of engineers from different countries, right? They tried to keep it very, uh, very, you know, uh, unidentifiable, like where the issue is coming from. And, yeah. and so they gave them some things like a Frisbee and bubble wrap, and they had them come up with creative ideas around these things. And almost 20% more creative ideas came from the groups that were not on Zoom calls. Wow. Right? And, and I wonder, like, that's a quantitative measurement, I wonder what the qualitative qualitative is, yes right what yes. were those what were the qualitative measurements to that because they just counted creative ideas but 
when it's like, well, what were the, I think about, I think about an in-person meeting, right? Someone's got a piece of paper, there's a whiteboard, maybe there's an element, like, especially if the bubble wrap and the, and so you start to get to play with space, right? You, and you and I use our hands when we talk a lot, but I see a lot of people that are on zoom meetings and stuff like that. And their hands are just down. Yeah. Right. And so there's no, there's no usage of space. Like Paul and I will be like, we'll write something and be like throwing it in people's (laughs) faces. Right. And I think that's an element where you're like, Hey, what about this? And then you show it to the room or you go up to the whiteboard and you throw it up there or your hands are moving in space because you're more interactive. Yep. And so I don't think virtual meetings are going away. Maybe the encouragement is just understand that that's the reality and that you have to work that much harder to, to lean into the creative aspect of, of being in a meeting. So there's hopes, hope and some suggestions. And in this industry, in the automotive, right? Most dealership work, unfortunately, we get to do in person and in the same team. However, you and I work with dealers all over the country, right? And we can rarely be there in person. And so on a lot of our industry vendor partners, right? A lot of our family there, they're always virtual, right? Within their right. own companies. And they're rarely in person anymore with the dealers. So the suggestion that they gave is to actually, when you get into creative mode, like, hey, we're trying to brainstorm and we're trying to think of new ideas, turn the cameras off. Crazy. Turn wow. the cameras off. And if you think about it, it's just like being on a conference call. And, and yeah. as I thought about it, I was like, yeah, that would, right? You can stand up, you can move around, you can kind of think, you don't have to, you can do one of these, you know, put your yeah, you're not, your face. You're also not paying attention to like what Yourself. your physical presence Absolutely. is, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And so there you go. Turn the camera off when brainstorming, see if that spurs new ideas. Um, we're excited because when we're in Tampa on May 9th, by the way, we're having an event in Tampa on May 9th. We didn't pump it. It was the video before this, but tickets are selling. Sponsors are all lined up. We're locked in and uh, we're going to have an amazing time. So much fun. And this is going to be, we're going to be together for the first time with some of the people on the Asodu team. So we're really excited about yeah. that too. Um, all right. that's So there, there's our little quick tips, how to make brainstorming better. Um, let's talk about F1. For yeah, a let's do it. Let's do it. And luckily you saved it to the end, so I can't talk for 18 minutes. No, there's one There's one survive. more. There's one more thing at the end. <laughs> but it's sure. No, F1 is awesome. Yeah, so they're coming to Miami. There's, it's, there's a lot of excitement around it. Uh, you know, from the F1 uh, lovers, which I've only been that for a couple of years now that drive to survive. By, by the way, F1 stands for formula one. Formula and it's one. actually, if you don't know about it, it's like the race cars with the really big tires on the sides, right? They sit really yes. low and you usually see them in like Italy and Europe. Yeah. They make that yeah, high lot, pitch lot of sound. Just, yep. Hey, I'm not even assuming people know what F1 is. Yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, it is a sport that is coming into America, but the main reason why it came to America as a, as a, as a big, uh, piece is because of this Netflix series drive to survive, which is really cool. And there's a whole element of like doing a brand build around a sport, um, that Netflix has basically given F1 some accelerant, but they're coming to Miami and tickets are stupid right now. (laughs) So expensive, which is really crazy because for the people that really know F1, everyone is saying like the track isn't the thing. Uh, It's not a great track, but it's the excitement of being in Miami, Mm -hmm. being in the U S having the energy around the event, right? It's actually, it's part, a big part of F1 is actually the experience. Like three of the biggest races in the world are actually the, the least fun actual racing races to watch because there's not a lot of position changes, essentially what position you start in, unless you mess up, you end in, um, but the experience around it, right? Maybe it's you're on the boats or you're in the, the arena, whatever that space is, whatever that city is. And so they've, they've done a really good job at doing that. And Miami is just like fodder for 
that type of experience uh, at that premier level. I mean, they're expecting 300,000 people at the venue. They're going to be hosting Crazy. it at Hard Rock Stadium, which is about 80,000 capacity inside. But the grounds, uh, the cars are going to run through the streets, right? That's how the F1 races work. The human element of this is this was an irrelevant sport to the United States just a few, By years, and large. Just a few right. years yeah. ago. And what happened was is that Netflix built a series around the people in the industry, not about the mechanics. And I mean, they talked about that, not about the tires and not about the engines or not about how it's been great in Europe, but they, the people, right? It became a human story. And all of a sudden that taught people how to care about the sport. And that- Yeah, it's crazy. Actually, like one of the one of the uh, principals who's like the kind of the, um, the on the street manager of one of the worst teams in F1, which is Haas Racing, is a guy named Gunther. And he's become so popular <laughs> out of this show because of like just his antics, personality. The way he speaks. Right. He's got a massive personality. I love him. He's kind of avant garde, right? And so people love him, and he's a part of this terrible team, which they're doing a lot better this year. But it's it's really interesting. It's funny how that that typically will go, right? Like people start to get in love, and people start to have a passion for it, and all of a sudden you start to perform better. Yeah. Right. And there's something really about wild. that. And so why we think that's important is because we think that we need to teach people about the humans inside the retail auto industry. That is a mission of ours at Asodu. And yes. this F1 series shows us like it is so possible now that this sport is an actual sport with a fanatical fan base in just a few years because someone showed them the human side of the sport. And we think that as the more we can show people the human side of retail automotive, the more people will also fall in love with it. So that's why that story got us excited. One last story from your hometown, Cincinnati, bring your kids to work day. So there was a, a young dad, 26 years old at a Reds game uh, in Cincinnati. They were playing the Padres and they were sitting like 15 rows from the back. And uh, the Mrs. King, Miss Kingsley, his wife was very concerned. He was like, I'll protect the baby because they're sitting close. So what happens? A pop-up, of course, over the net. He's sitting there, baby strapped to his chest. Feet, one hand, his left hand is holding a bottle in the 11-month-old's face. And he reaches up and he catches the foul ball with his right hand. Oh, we have a clip of it if you're watching. And a souvenir. And there's the catch. Grabs it, (laughs) saves, saves everybody's life. He's just unbelievable. The, the mom's face, the mom's face in that clip is priceless. She right. is like dead shock horror as she's watching this ball come and looking. And then he catches it. And the moment she realizes he catches it, it goes to sheer delight. Like, yes. like you just did an amazing thing. So obviously the clip went viral. You know, he's going to obviously frame the ball. The Reds bought, him, bought them tickets to the next game. They're probably going to treat him like a king and a so queen. So and. Smart. Let, let me just say, this kid is kind of destined to be a ball player. Listen to this name. Shepard Kingsley. Yes. If that yeah. isn't a three- And left-handed a at three that. Fi- like, <laughs> is he left Has to be left-handed, left-handed right? <laughs> sounds, sounds, like a, sounds like a rock star shortstop with a, like a 320 batting average to me. Yeah, 320 like slap batting average basically, you know, hits it down, hits it down the third baseline every single time. Like that's, that's Shepard Kingsley. We're calling, we're calling the shot right there. <laughs> so yeah, Brian Ortega says Brian, the Reds need to sign him. They, they should sign him because yeah, the Reds are struggling right now. Oh man! Boys. On that note, we just hope that we gave you a couple smiles and a reminder more than anything that you are in the human business. This industry is based around people, so go care about people and teach someone else how to love it too. <laughs>